Welcome to the Book Club Girl podcast, where we chat about great books with awesome authors, and you, our listeners, get to ask the questions. I'm Tavia Kowalczuk, and I am a diehard believer in read it before you see it. Whenever there's a book that's being made into a movie, I will not see the movie until I read the book. One novel that I recently read in anticipation of the movie was Rebecca. This is such a classic novel of gothic suspense, and I never knew if I could trust the narrator or not. I loved this read, and I was really skeptical about the movie. I really enjoyed it. It's on Netflix. It's super atmospheric, and it's creepy. I think they did a good job bringing it to the screen. It's not like the book, right? It's always going to be different, but yeah. it's certainly it illuminated certain parts of the book to me that you know I hadn't imagined fully, so I enjoyed that about it. Wow, that's quite an endorsement. I'm Eliza Rosenberry, and I have not watched the Rebecca movie yet, but I've heard, I feel like people have very strong opinions about it. Like they either love it or they hate it. Last year, Little Women came out, the Greta Gerwig directed version of it. And Little Women was one of my favorite, favorite books when I was a little kid. And it was so fun to see the March family come to life on the screen and this sort of like joyful, exuberant movie. And um, there was so much good energy. And it's also like it came out around the holidays last year. So maybe that's why I associate it with like this time of year. But to me, it feels like a perfect holiday movie to like sort of hunker down, get really cozy and um, watch Little Women. But of course, read the book first if you haven't read it. Oh my gosh. I remember, I think every version of Little Women movie is just great. I love them all. Yeah. I, I remember the one with Winona Ryder that came out at like a key time in my life. And it's just the one that's imprinted in my brain. But the new version is really good too. Yeah. On today's show, a dangerous journey across post-Civil War Texas brings together two unlikely characters in an unforgettable novel that was a finalist for the National Book Award. We'll be talking about the historical novel, News of the World. And later in the show, we'll be joined by New York Times bestselling author, Paulette Giles. And now we present to you, News of the World Abridged. Captain Kidd travels across Texas, reading from faraway newspapers at local gatherings. Along the way, he's offered a huge sum of money to deliver a young orphan girl to her family outside San Antonio. Johanna had been kidnapped and adopted by the Kiowa tribe, and raised there for four years. Now Johanna is to be returned to her German-American relatives, although she has no memory of them and is psychologically and culturally tied to her Kiowa upbringing. The journey to Johanna's family is long, arduous, and dangerous, but the captain accepts and thus begins an unlikely adventure and bond between these two characters. They learn to communicate and fight together and ultimately to work together to survive. Along the way, they forge a close relationship, not unlike a grandfather and granddaughter. This moving portrait of friendship and its fascinating historical setting wrestles with themes of purpose, destiny, and identity while introducing readers to Johanna and the captain, two completely unforgettable characters. And in exciting news, this book has been adapted into a new movie starring Tom Hanks. Eliza, what did you think of this book? Well, first of all, I can't wait to watch the movie, but we'll get to that. <laughs> it was so fun to read this book because it's definitely a little bit of a Western. And when I was a little kid, I used to watch a ton of Westerns with my dad, like spaghetti Westerns, and we used to watch Bonanza and all of these sort of old Westerns. And so, well, I don't think that I've ever read a Western novel 
or at least nothing that I can think of, nothing comes to mind. I do love the genre, certainly on screen. And one of my recent favorites was uh, True Grit, starring Jeff Bridges, which I know is a novel and I just haven't read it yet. But it was really fun to read a Western. I loved True Grit and I I guess I like Westerns. I never realized, but now that you're <laughs> mentioning them, I'm like, oh yeah, I enjoy all that. I am a huge fan of this book. This is the second time I've read it and the ending always makes me cry. I just get all choked up in the final conversation. No spoilers, but I just think it's so beautiful. Captain Kidd is such a wonderful character. He's so yeah. complex. He has this sort of moral compass, He's compassionate, but yet he's fierce and he will just speak his mind if he thinks that someone's doing something that's not right or, you know, inappropriate. And um, it re he's really a man of integrity and it's, it's really nice to read a character like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. One of the scenes that stands out to me is he's reading the news and there's like a rowdy um, attendee who wants him to read from a newspaper that's sort of like propaganda not an objective news source and captain kid like you know stands up for the integrity of journalism and and objectivity and what real news is and it was so fun to read it was like a little charming and sweet to read about the sort of early controversy about media because i feel like it's something we hear a lot about the last couple of years about like you know reputable news sources and also like news media is such a struggling industry and it's all sort of it's you know very complicated and i think it was really fun to sort of read a little bit about what it was like you know way back when but yeah i think i think the captain's integrity for sure comes through and his passion for you know objective journalism it definitely this book definitely brought to mind a lot of the culture wars that we're having right now i could see it it felt familiar to me in one of this isn't really a spoiler there's a scene in the book where the captain and johanna basically have a shootout with these nefarious characters who are trailing them and want to basically steal from them and they have to save their lives this is a life or death situation like there's no like negotiation going on here and in the end, they end up killing the people who are out to get them. And it's very interesting to me. I really like this scene because I thought it's so interesting the way that the captain didn't have any remorse. He didn't have that sort of normal contemporary feeling that if someone just kills someone that you would think they would have, which to me meant that this book was truly set in the Wild West. Like this is how law is carried out. Like there is no law and you just have to take care of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the aspects of that scene that really stuck with me was the way that Captain Kidd responded to it after the fact. He actually seemed to look back on it sort of fondly because it was this moment where he and Johanna really like, you know, they're back to back against each other fighting these guys off, you know, metaphorically. And I think, you know, it really was a cementing moment in their relationship rather than like sort of moral wishy-washy like oh like maybe there was a way out or maybe I shouldn't have killed this guy you know he doesn't feel to your point he doesn't feel remorse about it he actually looks back on it and feels kind of good about it you know yeah I do know what you mean and I remember the scene that you're talking about where he recollects that that gunfight I cannot I mean speaking of gunfight that scene in the movie is going to be unbelievable I cannot yeah. wait to see how they depict that in the film I'm really absolutely excited. yeah I'm also looking forward to the depiction of I mean, of course, of Captain Kidd. Tom Hanks is the, is the perfect captain. But I'm also looking forward to the portrayal of Johanna because I think she's such an interesting character. And she's, you know, reading 
you know, some of our more devoted listeners will remember a past episode where we spoke with Christina Baker Klein, who's the author of Orphan Train. And that novel was about a historical moment where orphan children were sort of transported, you know, out West to, you know, sort of be placed with families and work. And we talked a lot about what it, what it feels like to be a young person or a child and not have any control over where you're going. You're on your own, but you also have no control over it. I'm really looking forward to the portrayal of her experience in the movie. Me too. Johanna was such a pip. She was fantastic. I just loved her spirit and I thought she was a very resilient young woman. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I'm excited to talk to Paulette. Me too. I cannot wait. Cheers. Cheers. I wanted to remind all of our listeners that we love to hear from you. You can post reviews of the podcast and join our Facebook group, The Book Club Girls, where you can chat with other book lovers and post your own questions to the authors who appear on our show. You can find us at facebook.com slash groups slash The Book Club Girls. Today, we're joined by Paulette Giles, whose book, News of the World, is out now. Paulette, welcome to the Book Club Girl podcast. We are so, so happy to have you here to discuss news of the world with us. Well, thank you, and I'm happy to be here. And Book Club Girl is very well known, and so I am thrilled and honored to be asked to speak. Oh, wonderful. So our first question is actually from a member of the Book Club Girl Facebook group, and her name is Donna, and she had a question for you about News of the World, and we thought it was a great place to start. So Donna asked, what inspired you to tell this particular story about this moment in history? Well, it just sort of organically grew out of um, The Color of Lightning and my research into captives who were captured as children and how it changed them permanently. And that was such a psychologically interesting phenomenon. I read the story of a grandfather who went to get his granddaughter back from in a wagon from the uh, Kiowa where she had been surrendered. And she would have almost nothing to do with him. And I thought, that's so sad. And this grandfather loved her very much. And then that reminded me of Captain Kidd, who was in Color of Lightning, who is a rather, he's sort of a mentor, really. And uh, so I put the two of them together and made a book of it. Wow. Yeah. And the experience that uh, Johanna has in the novel is is this experience of having been a captive and then, you know, being returned to her you know, biological family. And in that case, you know, she does, as Tavi and I were talking about earlier, she does really struggle with that transition. And she remains in many ways very tied to this, although it was a discrete period of time, this upbringing that she had with the Native American tribe. Yes, children were very, very much loved and very much indulged because life was hard enough as it was. Mm. So, you know, if a child wanted something and if it was within the power of, of anyone to give it to the child, they would do so, whether it was a mother or the chief or whoever. And I have seen people be incredibly indulgent with children. And so she would have had uh, really warm memories uh, and um, would have loved her Kiowa mother and father and brothers and sisters. And, and so it would be very hard for her to... Uh, separate once again. Becky from our Facebook group wants to know, did Captain Kidd's appreciation for the news and by extension journalism inform the way you presented the novel? What's really interesting is to consider uh, the news at that time and how it made its way around. Um, and I uh, recently I'm doing a lot of research on a novel I'm writing now and I'm reading the 1860s 
versions of a, a very well-known newspaper called the Memphis Appeal. And it's on microfilm, or it's online. And people would just grab any kind of entertaining news that came to them. It's very different from now, just to fill in pages. And I wrote a most striking story about a young woman on a steamboat who was escaping white slavery, basically. And so, and then right next to that, they'll throw in something about Arctic exploration. And they didn't research these stories very much. They couldn't. They were just like constantly filling up columns of print. So it was a very different, things looked very different then than they do now. A local story about a fire in a brewery would be right next to uh, news about the Austro-Hungarian War and the cavalry. And people were longing for entertainment, first of all. And they were longing to come together in groups, I think. So lectures were extremely popular, not only because people wanted to hear the lecturer, but, but they wanted to come together in a group and they would meet anywhere, like he would read in wool storage warehouses or he would be read in mercantile establishments. So they were seeking, it's the fun of being in a theater and seeing a movie with a whole bunch of other people around you is much more inspiring, I think, than sitting at home and seeing it on a television screen. So there were those two things. People didn't get many excuses to come together in groups, and when they did, it was a lot of fun. Paulette, it seems to me there were, there were a lot of parallels between some of the tensions around news sources in the novel and, of course, what we've seen the last couple of years around, you know, reliable media and, you know, sources and making sure you know where your news is coming from. And there's a character in the book who asks Captain Kidd to... No, I don't think there's any comparison because people didn't have any way of checking whether a story was true or not. In other words, so they all had entertainment value. In other words, this story about the girl who escaped the white slavers, and it was a very moving and affecting story. She was a very poor child and, and very brave. Um, the, the report, there was no way to check whether that was true or not. And the same with the yeah. polar star, which uh, went to grief in the Arctic, I think it was hit by an iceberg. There was no way for anybody to check that, including the reporter who got the news over the telegraph. So no, it's very different. You couldn't bounce around and, and see three different versions of the same story, and you couldn't check sources, or and the reporters couldn't either. So it tended to be, um, it t- really tended to be entertainment. I think they were very c- careful about political elections, but other than that, I don't, I don't think there's a lot of similarity. I want to shift a little bit to one of my f- absolute favorite scenes in the book, which is the shootout scene between Captain and Johanna and Alme and his boys. It's so memorable. I absolutely love the scene. And could you describe, I was really struck with how the captain acted after that event. And I was wondering if you could describe how you would imagine his state of mind, because it becomes one of his favorite memories of, of his time with Johanna, it seems. And But also, he had just killed someone, and he didn't really seem too affected by that. What would you say about him after that event? I know that when people are in extremely difficult circumstances, and together they fight their way out of it, they become really bonded in a way that just sitting down and having dinner with them doesn't, doesn't bond you. What what people do together, do. I mean, 
actively do rather than sitting around talking. What people actually do together is what, what, what binds them together. And the more stressful the circumstances, and should they survive it, uh, will form a strong and permanent bond. And that's a kind of bond that happens in combat as well. And that had happened to him in the War of 1812 when he was at the Battle of Horseshoe Bend uh, with his comrades, with, the, with his, the local militia. They called up the local militia at that time to, to fight that war, uh, the war with the Creeks, Red Sticks. And the most unlikely people can form these really strong bonds, and he and Johanna clearly did in that scene. And of course, afterward, afterwards, he has very disturbed dreams because he has been through combat, and an incident like that will bring back nightmares. You're listening to the Book Club Girl podcast, where our guest this week is Paulette Giles, whose novel, News of the World, is out now. You can read more about Paulette's book at bookclubgirl.com slash podcast. Coming up on the Book Club Girl podcast, we ask Paulette about her literary white whale. Stick around. This episode of the Book Club Girl podcast is brought to you by Simon the Fiddler by Paulette Giles. Set at the end of the Civil War, Simon the Fiddler is about an itinerant fiddle player and the charming young Irish lass who steals his heart. Simon is a character introduced in News of the World, available now wherever books are sold. Welcome back to the show. Each week, we bring you a fascinating new conversation with an author who's written a book we think is a great choice for book clubs to read together. Today, author Paulette Giles is here with us answering questions about her novel, News of the World. Paulette, at a certain point in the book, the captain has this sort of reflection, and so I'm just going to read a short quote from the novel. And he says, maybe life is just carrying the news. Maybe we have just one message and it is delivered to us when we are born and we are never sure what it says. It may have nothing to do with us personally, but it must be carried by hand through a life all the way and at the end, handed over, sealed. And of course, the final line in the book is he said he had a message to deliver contents unknown. So what do you think the captain ultimately sort of determines or feels about what had been his life's purpose? You know, I don't know if I could answer that. <laughs> I don't know. if uh, you know, My <laughs> characters are very real to me and they're very people, much people to me. And just like other people, we, we really cannot see into another person's life journey or psyche or psychology or soul. Um, we, we can see it only imperfectly. And I don't know if I can see into his soul that far. But I think, if anything, it was simply to carry a message of how a man should actually comport himself with dignity and courage. I could see that because I was talking about Captain Kidd earlier, and I said that he struck me as a man of great integrity. And it was so refreshing to read a character like that. Yes. Yeah, and, and integrity can be expensive. It can cost you quite a lot. But he he would not have been able to live with himself if he didn't do the right thing. Um, so you just mentioned Simon the Fiddler, and I have a question that's sort of related to that from Lainey in our Facebook group. So Simon is a character in News of the Worlds, but he's also the character of Simon the Fiddler. He is a fiddler. That's how he makes his money. Um was it difficult for you, Paulette, when you were planning to revisit this character, did, or did you always know that you wanted to write about Simon? As soon as Simon showed up, I knew I wanted to write about him. <laughs> <laughs> and he sort of showed up on his own. When they were in Spanish Fort, 
which is a very interesting little place. There's still a few houses there now. It's on the Red River. And he was looking for somebody to take care of her. And I thought it would be too much of a cliche to go to one of the town matrons and leave her in a dull place. And um, Because the, uh, that time and place, and many places, are full of such rich, crazy, interesting characters. And so the music band that I play with, we do a lot of Celtic, a lot of folk music, our fiddler is, is first rate. He's just, he's dynamite. And I thought, I need a fiddler here. So I put Simon in, and the, he's not entirely based on Tom Bomer, but a little bit. And um, I put him in the shop window as if he were a mechanical object that was playing right in front of the street in a, in a bay window. And so I knew I knew he had more story behind him, I guess I should say. So, yeah, I love that. I absolutely love that. And Simon the Fiddler is out now, just for our listeners so you know, and it's going to be out in paperback shortly. So if you read News of the World and loved it, you can get more of the same lovely people in Simon the Fiddler. Before you joined, Paulette, Tavia and I were talking about how excited we are for the film adaptation of News of the World, and we really cannot wait to see these unforgettable characters portrayed on screen. And we were curious, what has the experience been like for you of having this novel adapted um, for film? Um, it was very hands-off for me. So I was not consulted in any way. So it's been very hands-off. And, and I just had my fingers crossed that they would, um, that they would keep the characters that were there and um, make it work. So. so we will find out on Christmas Day, I guess, if... Uh... If it, if it all has come to pass. Yes, I hope the theaters are open. I've just got my fingers crossed. Um, because like I said, it's such a great experience to go and sit in a theater with lots of other people and, uh, and watch a movie. Much more so, I think you just get the magic of the experience far more uh, when you're in a large audience than when you're sitting at home in front of a, a television uh, screen or a monitor. And so I'm really, really hoping that theaters will be open by Christmas. I agree with you, Paulette. I love when the audience will just applaud at the end. They just will burst into applause. It's so nice. Yeah, yeah. It's wonderful. And you can hear people, the whole crowd being moved by a certain scene or mm. frightened mm -hmm. or one thing or another. And it's just very nice to be a part of that. We have one final question for you, Paulette. Um, every episode we ask our author guessed the same question. We ask, what is your literary white whale? So this is a book that you've always meant to read or one that you've started reading and have never finished. So we're curious what yours is. Mill on the Floss by George Eliot. I just cannot finish that book. <laughs> <laughs> and Anna Karenina too. I got two white whales. <laughs> I just cannot plow my way through either one of them. And as I'm getting older, I say, why am I wasting time? trying to force myself to read something I don't like. So, or, or I can't, I just can't make any headway. So. Yeah. Yeah. Anna Karenina is a popular one. A lot of our guests have said, you know, something by one of the Russians. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, I don't feel, that's great. I don't <laughs> feel so alone. <laughs> well, Paulette, it has been so wonderful to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining. You're very welcome. And I'm very happy that you called me. That was Paulette Giles whose book, News of the World, is out now. To find out more about Paulette's book and how to buy it, head to bookclubgirl.com slash podcast, where you can also find links to everything mentioned in this episode.
Like what you heard? Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please give us a rating and leave a review. Another way to help spread the word about the Book Club Girl podcast is to tell a friend. It really helps others to find us. You'll hear from us again in two weeks, where we'll be speaking with Craig Grossi, author of the heartwarming memoir, Craig and Fred. If you want to read the book before its podcast drops, head over to hc.com and use promo code BOOKCLUBGIRL, all one word, for 25% off and free shipping for any book discussed in this podcast. And you can also join in our next conversation. We're going to be speaking with Meng Jin, author of the mesmerizing debut novel, Little Gods. If you'd like to pose a question for Meng about her book, post them in the comments of our Book Club Girls Facebook group or email us, thegirls at bookclubgirl.com, or you can leave us a voicemail. Our number is 212-207-7336. Before we go, we'd like to thank Charles de Montebello, who produced today's episode, Camille Collins and Jen Brell for helping to set up our interview, and to Paulette herself for joining us today via phone. Until next time, I'm Tavia. And I'm Eliza. Happy reading. They went on. He thought about her oddness. What was it that made the girl so strange? She had none of the gestures or expressions of white people. White people's faces were mobile and open. They were unguarded. They flung their hands about. They slanted and leaned on things, tossed their heads and their hats. Her faultless silence made her seem strangely not present. She had the carriage of every Indian he had ever seen, and there was a sort of kinetic stillness about them. And yet she was a ten-year-old girl with dark blonde hair in streaks and blue eyes and freckles. You, he said, and pointed at her. She made a small, slight dodging motion to one side. Her loose, biscuit-colored hair flew in a wave. Kiowa people never pointed with their fingers, never. They pointed with gun barrels and with the shaman sticks that threw venomous demons into an enemy's body. Otherwise not. He could not know that. You, Johanna, he said. You. Johanna. She was leaning slightly forward from the waist as if this would help her understand. She held on to the roan mare's backband. The rich scent of the horse and its warm anatomy was the only thing familiar to her in this catastrophic change in her life. Captain, he pointed to himself. She walked sideways in order to look at him, and after a minute or so, she understood that this pointing might not do any harm. He could not be throwing the demons into himself, surely not. He tried again. He sat quietly with the reins in his right hand, and with his left, he pointed to her again. Johanna, he said patiently. He made an encouraging gesture. He waited. She let go of the back band and stood still and held up both hands in front of herself with the palms out. He pulled up the little roan mare. She called on her guardian spirit, the one who had told her she must wear two down puffs in her hair along with a golden eagle wing feather as a sign that he would always be with her. They had taken them away. 
they had thrown it all out a window. But her guardian spirit might still hear her. The old man wanted her to say some enchanted naming word. It might not be harmful. She said, Chohenna. When she spoke, her lower teeth showed white. He pointed to himself. Captain, he said. Kipden, she said. He pointed to her again. She stiffened a moment in fear, but gathered her courage and said, Chohenna. Then he pointed to himself again. She said, Kipden. Very well. Now we'll go on.